0: I think I would have been very susceptible to a cult.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Batu, ferrata, nectar, okay.
0: of Don't Touch That It's Haunted, podcast where we talk about all manner of spooky, macabre, and taboo subjects. I'm Grace, and with me again is Adam. Yay! For the, what is this, episode 17? I don't know. (laughs) For the 17th week in a row. Well, I guess you weren't there for episode two. Yeah. Yeah. So the 15th week in a row. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. Good.
1: Gotta go to work.
0: Yeah. Adam's got to go lock up the store because he uh, needs the keys in the morning. It's true. Why you guys only have one set of keys for two employees, I'll never understand.
1: Well, he just doesn't know the guy
0: yet. Yeah, that, that that's fair. New guy just started. Um, all right. So this week we are uh, doing part two of our Dark Hollywood series. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, last week we talked about Shirley Temple and uh, Judy Garland. And the casting couch. We did. So this week we're going to talk about uh, stuff that happened in the uh, 50s, 60s, and the 70s. I looked for the 80s um, and I found like one, like, uh, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Very detailed account of uh, sexual abuse, but um, it wasn't from a super reliable source. So it was like, a, it was uh, Corey Feldman. Who's gone a little crazy since. And if you look up... uh, So Corey Feldman, you will know, is uh, Mouth from the Goonies. Oh. Yeah. And uh, if you look at pictures of him today, he looks like Michael Jackson when Michael Jackson became white.
1: So... Oh, Oh, God.
0: Yeah. Also, he's, like, spoken out for Michael Jackson, saying that all of the abuse allegations are not true. So, yeah. Hmm. Um, but he alleged that Corey, what is it, Haim? So there were two Corys in the '80s, and it was Corey Feldman, Corey Haim. He alleges that Corey Haim told him that Charlie Sheen did some very inappropriate things to him. So, but I don't. Yeah. No one else can corroborate it. So.
1: That, that I know. I wouldn't put. So I don't in know. That.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, um, and of course. Corey Haim died in, like, 2010, so he can't tell us. Right. So, but anyway. Uh, Okay, let me bring up my notes. Do we have anything to talk about? No, I don't think so. Wow. We're two minutes in and we haven't rambled yet. I know. All right, so we are um, starting out with that article that we started with last week from The Guardian. Uh, moguls and starlets, a hundred years of Hollywood's corrosive sy- systemic sexism. Uh, so we'll start with a little bit from that. Stop clicking that pen. I can hear it. I can hear it. Um. Alright, after the studio system fell into decline in the 50s, there were still mighty producers pulling the strings on Hollywood sets, but directors assumed more importance than before. And some played up the old system. Directors of Hollywood films are still overwhelmingly male. 96% of directors of last year's top grossing films were male. Mm. I don't remember when this article came out. Uh, Woody Allen, who had been the subject of serious sexual allegations, all denied in his private life, uh, kept his 1966 directorial debut, What's Up Tiger Lily?, with a casting couch gag in which he poses as an old-school sleazy executive exercising his petty power over a wannabe. Playboy playmate China Lee performs a gratuitous striptease over the film's ed credits. Alan, reclining on a sofa, jokes, quote, I had promised to put her in the movie somewhere... Uh, Another revered director, Alfred Hitchcock, who we will talk about later, um, was well known for having a type. Quote, blondes make better victims, he said. They're like virgin snow that shows up the bloody footprints. The blonde star of The Birds and Marnie, Tippi Hendren, who again we'll talk about, uh, wrote in her memoir that Hitchcock truly victimized her throwing himself on top of her and groping her, then punishing her on set for resisting his advances. Maria Schneider, who we'll talk about as well, who starred alongside Marlon Brando in 1972's Last Tango in Paris, had described feeling humiliated and a little raped by director Bernardo, oh my goodness, Bertolucci's handling of a key scene. The, re- the director has admitted that he and Brando kept Schneider in the dark about the use of butter in that scene. We're going to, don't worry, we're going to, we're going to get there. Adam's face was very surprised. Um, quote, I wanted her reaction as a girl, not as an actress. I wanted her to react humiliated, unquote. Wow. We're going to talk about this garbage human being. Uh, Molly Ringwald has written in The New Yorker about several incidences of sexual harassment and abuse in her career, including a, quote, married film director assaulting her on set. Oh, my God. I know. Ah. Um, so we'll get a little more of that article next week when we talk about uh, the 90s to today. So um, our next article comes from History.com. Uh, it's from 2019. I don't have an author here. No, I do. Uh, It's by Thad Morgan.
1: Thanks, Thad.
0: Thank you, Thad. Um, And it is titled, When Hollywood Studios Married Off Gay Stars to Keep Their Sexuality a Secret. So I kind of talked about this a little bit last weekend, or last weekend, last week, that, uh, you know, some female stars were married off to men to keep them from being immoral or whatever, but also uh, gay men would be married to women so that people didn't know that they were gay. And also this happened to lesbians as well. And often the two were paired together. So a gay man and a lesbian woman. Oh. I know. So nobody's having a good time, really.
1: It's like those guys from Perry Mason Which ones? The lesbian and uh, the other lawyer.
0: Oh, yeah. It's been a minute since I've watched it. Watch Perry Mason. It was, the, the gritty remake that just came out like a year ago. It was very good. I enjoyed it. It's very dark. Don't watch it alone. Um, all right. The early 20, the early 20th century represented a unique time for LGBT people in the country. Throughout the Roaring Twenties, men dressed as women and gender nonconformity uh, and queerness weren't as taboo in the big cities as they would be years later. Queerness could be appreciated on stage, but in the everyday lives of major stars, it was often hidden in sham unions known as lavender marriages. Oh. According to Stephen Tropiano, professor of screen studies at Ithaca College and author of The Primetime Closet, A History of Gays and Lesbians on TV. That might be worth a worth a good read. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, These marriages were arranged by Hollywood studios between one or more gay, lesbian, or bisexual people in order to hide their sexual orientation from the public. They date back to the early 20th century and carried on past the gay liberation movement of the 60s. Lavender marriages were a solve in part for moral clauses issued by big studios at the time. The clauses, first introduced by Universal Film Company, permitted the company to discontinue actors' salaries, quote, if they forfeit the respect of the public. The kind of behavior deemed unacceptable ranged widely from criminal activity to association with any conduct that was considered indecent or startling to the community. The clauses exist to this day. Yeah. Which is why you're seeing a lot of that uh, when when people are offended by something somebody tweeted ten years ago they get dropped immediately it's because of that oh yeah um do 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 oh uh, we have to remember that a lot of these decisions were being made no remember that a lot of these decisions that were being made they were economic decisions says tropiano. It was about a person holding on to their career. Identifying how many Hollywood couples tied the knot to cloak their sexuality is, of course, problematic since it's primarily based on speculation. Ah. Um, I think the hardest thing for historian, uh, historians is to kind of sift through what the rumor is and what the actual fa- what is actually factual, says Trapiano. Uh, One commonly cited source for speculation is the memoir of Scotty Bowers, Full Service, My Adventures in Hollywood and the Secret Sex Lives of the Stars. Bowers' account details sexual encounters, gay and straight, that he claims he both arranged and took part in beginning in 1946. Bowers wrote that he had been sexually involved with leading actor Cary Grant and his roommate Randolph Scott for more than a decade oh. at the time grant was cycling through five marriages with women grant's daughter jennifer grant has disputed the allegations through her spokeswoman saying in 2012 that her father her father as saying that her father oh uh saying her father is quote very straight according to the new york times oh. Grant died in 1986, and many of the subjects whose lives Bowers described are also deceased. So again, you can't ask the source. Uh, Some have questioned whether Bowers' accounts in the autobiography and the corresponding 2017 documentary, Scotty and the Secret History of Hollywood, are accurate. But the self-proclaimed fixer includes details and photographs that he argues back up his claims. Among the most speculated lavender marriages was between the famed actor Rock Hudson and his secretary, Phyllis Gates. They married in 1955 and separated two years later after rumors of his homosexuality and infidelity began to pile up. Waves of rumors and speculation around Hudson's affairs became so widespread that they even helped foster the growth of celebrity tabloid journalism. Oh there it is. Ho, oh, oh. ho. I have feelings about tabloids. Uh, Of course, I'll stare at one in the grocery store, though, but I won't buy it. (laughs) But I'll look and be like, what are they saying? But I won't buy it. Uh, The publication Confidential became popular in the mid-1950s by featuring salacious celebrity news. The tabloid outed popular figures like Hudson before outing was even a thing. Despite the coverage, Hudson never addressed his sexual orientation publicly before he died of AIDS in nineteen eighty nine. That'll do it. Yeah. Some gay actors chose to live openly despite the risk. In the nineteen thirties, actor William Haynes refused to hide his relationship with his partner. Haynes was contracted with MGM in the nineteen twenties and thirties oh, while those also guys. Yeah, they, well yeah. Uh, while also living with a former sailor named Jimmy Shields. Even with the common yet unspoken knowledge that the two men were romantically involved, Haynes' popularity didn't take a hit until years later. That's when he was given an ultimatum. Either he got married to a woman or he would be dropped by MGM, according to Trippiano. Quote, Haynes had to make a choice between getting rid of his male partner and having a career, says Trippiano. And he actually chose his male partner. Oh. Isn't that nice? That's nice. Haynes then left the silver screen behind to create a successful interior design business with his partner. He's now often considered one of Hollywood's first openly gay stars.
1: Well,
0: there you go. Uh, lavender marriages became less prevalent in the 60s and 70s as the gay rights movement gained momentum following the Stonewall Riots of 1969. The Stonewall Riots are very interesting.
1: And they're whitewashed to hell in the movie.
0: Yeah, there's a movie? What movie?
1: I don't know. J.K. Sims is in it.
0: Oh. Uh. But it's super whitewashed, too. I'm sure it is, as is most of history. Mm. Yeah. Uh, did you know that they've erased the Trail of Tears from history books? Yeah. Yeah. They say that uh, the Native Americans willingly gave up their land.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
0: Parents are pissed. <laughs> Um, although representation in films and on TV was still scarce, the actual lives of the stars on screen, straight, gay, or bisexual, weren't dictated by studios as much as they had been in the past. That's nice. So that's that's that. Um, all right, moving on. are you are you ready to hear about that slimy bastard? Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock.
1: Alfred. Hitch-
0: now have you have you seen his movies? You haven't seen The Birds. No. And you haven't seen Psycho. I've
1: seen the remakes.
0: You've seen the remakes. Well, you did watch Bates Motel with me. Which Bates Motel is fascinating. Yeah. That's the one with the... Uh, What's-her-face from the Conjuring movies. Yeah. Yeah. Vera Farminga. Yeah. And... Uh, and Freddie Highmore. Yes. Or uh, Charlie from uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh... This is an article from USA Today by Jocelyn McClurg. um, And it is called Tippi Hendren says Hitchcock sexually assaulted her. Oh, my God. There's a very great movie um, about Tippi Hendren and Alfred Hitchcock's like relationship, working relationship. Uh, And it was on HBO. And I think it was called The Girl. And it came out maybe like a decade ago. It's very good. It's it's one of those like hard to watch films because you're just like this guy is a piece of shit. Yeah. It's very it's very good. It's very good. Um. Okay. In her oh this this came out in like 2010 I think so. Okay. okay. In her new memoir, actress Tippi Hedren is revealing what a true horror it was working with Alfred Hitchcock on the 1960s films *The Birds* and *Marnie*. She writes that the iconic director, who she says was obsessed with her, sexually assaulted her on the set of Marnie when she was alone in her dressing room. Quote, I've I've never gone into details on this, and I never will. I'll simply say that he suddenly grabbed me and put his hands on me. It was sexual, it was perverse, and it was ugly. And I couldn't have been more shocked and repulsed. The harder I fought him, the more aggressive he became. And... Though then he started adding threats as if he could do anything to me that was worse than what he was trying to do at that moment. Oh when Hendren fought him off, Hitchcock promised, quote, I'll ruin your career. She was still under contract. She says Hitchcock never spoke to her directly again, even though Marnie was still filming. So the director refused to talk to the lead actress.
1: Yeah.
0: What up? Peace. Um, In her book, she gives credit to Hitchcock for making her a star. She was one of the icy blondes he favored. They first paired up on the birds, the famed 1963 horror film about birds that suddenly attack people for no reason. Birds. It's never explained to, which I think, which I think was brilliant because you're like, they don't, they don't need a reason. It just happened because it, that's what happens. Um, She says she began noticing that Hitchcock became cold and a bit petulant whenever he saw her talking to a male cast or crew member. One afternoon, she was in back of a limo uh, with the director when, with no warning, oh, quote, uh, he threw himself on top of me and tried to kiss me. It was awful. Oh, it was an awful, awful moment. I'll always wish I could erase from my memory, writes Hendren, 86, whose daughter is actress Melanie Griffith, and whose granddaughter, are you ready for this, is actress Dakota Johnson of Fifty Shades of Grey. There you go. I like Dakota Johnson. I think she's, I like Um. Later on a soundstage, quote, he asked me to touch him and I resisted the temptation to slap him and just turned and walked away, she writes. Hendren says her behavior on the birds towards the director uh, chilled to a polite professional distance. He retaliated with cruelty. This is shitty. He told her mechanical birds would be used in a scene in which she is attacked. Instead, live birds were subbed when the mechanical ones suddenly didn't work. She writes that filming that scene was brutal and ugly and relentless. But she refused to let Hitchcock break her. Atta girl. Despite the ugliness, she says she felt a wave of sadness when Hitchcock died in 1980 and she attended his funeral. Uh, He was, she writes, a brilliant, brilliant filmmaker. Which is true. Mm -hmm. He was an amazing filmmaker. He was just a shit human being. Right. But, you know, what do you mean? Um, I'm suddenly realizing that I don't have as much content as I thought I did because we're at 20 minutes and I'm ready for my last article.
1: Oh, I guess it's going to be a short episode. This
0: might be a short episode, I mean, which kind of works out because we have to leave and go lock up the store.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, all right, all right. Uh, So this is from thenewdaily.com. Um, it is from 2016. Um, do I have a, I don't have a writer and it is called The Tragic Life of Last Tango in Paris star Maria Schneider. Um, so this is that thing that made you make that face. So here we go. Now I've never seen this movie and I tried to look up that scene, but You can't really find it on the internet because it's very graphic, but you'll be able to tell what's going on. Gotcha. Um, Trigger warning. It's it's not not great. Um, French actress Maria Schneider has been the subject of an outpouring of sympathy this week. Again, this is from 2016. After it was revealed, parts of a violent sex scene in her 1972 movie, Last Tango in Paris, were filmed without her consent. Schneider was just 19 when she starred alongside a 48-year-old Marlon Brando in the controversial film. If you do not know Marlon Brando, he is the godfather.
1: He is the godfather.
0: Also, if you're a fan of musicals, he's uh, Sky, what's-his-face in Guys and Dolls with Frank Sinatra. There
1: you
0: go. I know. Uh... The fear it generated was just the beginning of her tumultuous adulthood involving drugs, a stint in an asylum, and a battle with cancer that claimed her life at only 58 years of age. A 2013 interview with the film's director Bernardo Bertolucci uh, resurfaced on Sunday. In the clip, Bertolucci, I'm, I'm just going to keep saying it. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Uh, Bertolucci admits he didn't tell Schneider the details of a particularly graphic scene involving a stick of butter. Use your imagination. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bertolochi said he and Brando conspired to surprise the then teenager by adding the butter without her knowledge. Quote, we were having with Marlon breakfast on the floor of the flat where I was shooting. There was a baguette, and there was butter, and we looked at each other, and without saying anything, we knew what we wanted, Bertolochi said. When I read that for the first time, I got so fucking angry.
1: Yeah?
0: I w- I just, like, how can you just be like, hey, you, a- hey, and then not discuss it with the act- Like, first of all, to have that thought, fuck you. Second of all, right. <laughs> to not tell the 19-year-old actress, fuck you. Ha! I have feelings. Okay, here we go. Um, quote, I had been, in a way, horrible to Maria because I didn't tell her what was going on. I didn't want Maria to act. I wanted Maria to feel the rage and humiliation, which I get to a point, but again, This is very violating, and you can't do something very violating to somebody without giving them a heads up first. Yeah. Right. Um, Bertolucci clarified his comments on Monday, calling the the backlash a ridiculous misunderstanding. Quote, I specified, but perhaps I was not clear, that I decided with Marlon Brando not to inform Maria that we would have used butter, he said somebody thought and thinks that Maria had not been informed about the violence on her. That is false. Which, okay. I get that. Like she, she knew it was going to be a rape scene, but yeah, still no. (laughs) Um, However, Schneider revealed in the Daily Mail in 2007, she felt a little bit raped by Brando and Bertolucci. Quote, I should have called my agent or had my lawyer come to the set because you can't force somebody to do something that isn't in the script, she said. Marlon said to me, Maria, don't worry. It's just a movie. But during the scene, even though what Marlon was doing wasn't real, I was crying real tears. Schneider called Bertolochi, quote, I love this, fat and sweaty and very manipulative. Yeah. Um, and she had. And she had a bad feeling before accepting the role. At the time of the release, Last Tango in Paris received a positive, critical, right? Yeah, critical reception, but was met with public outrage. It was banned from cinemas, and Bertolochi was tried for obscenity in Italy. Good for them. Schneider became a sex symbol, which she said, quote, turned me a little crazy, unquote. Oh, keep quoting. I, I did not like the image of full innuendo naughty that people had of me after Last Tango, she said. People who come up to tell you unpleasant things on a plane. I was tracked down and felt hounded. After Last Tango, Schneider never did another nude scene, instead taking a role alongside Jack Nicholson in the 1975 drama The Passenger. Soon after filming wrapped, Schneider had a breakdown and was fired from her role in 1977's The Obscure Object of Desire and walked off the set in 1979's Caligula. Um Schneider turned to drugs to cope with her newfound fame, revealing to the Daily Mail she took pot, then cocaine, LSD, and heroin in the 70s, which it's the uh, 70s. It's the, well, it's the '70s, but I feel like I would have had a really great time in the '70s. I know, I know. I'm a little worried though that if I had been a part of the hippie movement in the '60s, which I 100% would have been if I was alive at the time, um, that I would have been a Manson family victim. Like I would have been, I would have been in the Manson family. I'm a little worried about it. It's
1: scary.
0: Yeah, I think I would have been very susceptible to a cult. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot about cults now, so I, I, I think it'd be a lot harder for me to accidentally fall into a cult. That's not an invitation for people to try. But yeah, I feel like in the 70s, if I was, you know, doing drugs and being topless at... Uh, what's the real one? Woodstock. Thank you. First, I said I was thinking junk stock and I was like, no, that's the antique show. And then I was thinking Oakstock, which was our music festival at college. <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. i would have been such a cool hippie <laughs> okay um so she took pot then cocaine then LSD, and heroin this dark path led her to several suicide attempts quote i suppose it was like a suicide when i overdosed two or three times on drugs but each time i woke up when the ambulance arrived she said However, Schneider credits an anonymous angel she met in 1980 with helping her stop the downward spiral. In 1975, Schneider, who was bisexual, voluntarily committed herself to a mental hospital in Rome in order to spend time with her lover, photographer Joan Townsend. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Quote, they locked her up and so I had to do it out of loyalty, Schneider told Roger Ebert, which is... Oh, how romantic in like a, you know, like old school romantic sort of way. Like a like a like a Jane Austen type of romantic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was schizophrenic. She later told the Daily Mail. I wanted to help. She eventually went back home to the States, but now I don't know what happened to her. Oh, that's, that's pretty sad. Um, Towards the end of her life, Schneider found peace moving back to Paris after a long period in Los Angeles. In July 2010, she was awarded France's Cavalier Medal in the Order of Arts and Letters for being, quote, the singular image of today's woman. Speaking to the Daily Beast, Holly Milia, Uh, Schneider argued she still had plenty to say as an older actress, quote, I have things to express through my acting, my face, which are very rich and touching to the younger people today, she said. You know, 47 is not old for a woman. We can live until we're 90. It's true. Unfortunately, Schneider died in Paris in 2011 at the age of 58 after a battle with cancer. She never had any children, but was survived by her longtime partner, Pia Almadio. So there you go. There you go. So not a not a bad life after that. Yeah. Not a bad life. A short life, but not a bad one. So yeah. Um, fuck that director, man. And also fuck Marlon Brando. I don't know a whole lot about Marlon Brando. So... I feel a little guilty saying fuck him when that's that's all I know but
1: it's a bad thing to do
0: it's a bad thing to do and if he did that he might have done other stuff like that you know because that's that's who you are as a person I don't know I I don't I don't know anything about Marlon Brando so except he was in that movie that my mom I have to tell this story you know this story so um, there was a movie with Johnny Depp called Don Juan, and I think it came out in the 90s. It might have been the 80s. It was Marlon Brando's last movie, I think. And basically, Johnny Depp thinks that he's Don Juan. I never watched the end of the movie. That's important to know. Johnny Depp thinks that he's Don Juan, but he's not, I guess. And Marlon Brando is a psychiatrist, and he's supposed to help this kid who thinks that he's Don Juan who, you know, is from the, what, 17 1800s, and he was a great lover. And by the time he was 21, he would slept with a 1,000 women. Oh. Right. So that's the premise of this movie. And my mom thinks that it's a great idea that when all of the whole family, my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, she's like, this is the movie we're all going to watch tonight and her excuse now is that she forgot how sexual it was and i'm thinking it's called don juan like so um the first also i was like 14 ish so the first sexual thing happens and my sister who was like 11 gets up goes into the kitchen and somebody else went with her camera. And after a while, I get up and go into the kitchen. And we're all just, like, sitting on the kitchen floor talking and stuff. And by the end of the movie, it's literally just my mom and my Aunt Michelle watching this movie. And they realize that everybody's gone. And everyone's just sitting in the kitchen waiting for the movie to be over. We refer to it now as the Don Juan incident. Yeah. Yeah. I love that story. <laughs> it's also like the time that uh, we were in California and we were watching the Thumb Wars movie. This is kind of a reverse of that. You ha- or, so if you haven't watched the Thumb movies, so it's Thumb Wars, the Blair Thumb, the God Thumb, Thumb Wars, and there's a couple other, but it's like thumb dolls. And then it's like people's faces put on these dolls. It's fucking hilarious. Anyway, so we watched the first one and there was like five of us in the room. And then we watched the second one and there was like 10 of us in the room. And then we, we by the time we got to the last movie it was this big family reunion. Every single person was in the living room watching these movies. Oh my god. I know. I had to throw in a little banter there because we're at like 35 minutes. 35 and
1: we're,
0: minutes. We're done talking about what we need to talk about. I know we got to get you're looking at your phone. Um anything you want to contribute to what we talked about. Oh, your I'm hero. hero I'm so sorry, your hero.
1: Hero of the week is Tippy Hendren.
0: Tippy Hendren. <laughs> us about Tippi Hendren.
1: Tippi Hendren, a successful fashion model who appeared on the covers of Life and Grammar. grammar.
0: I was like, okay, okay.
1: Now, after Hollywood, she had a strong commitment to animal rescue in 1969 when she was shooting two films in Africa and introduced to the plight of African lions. In an attempt to raise awareness for wildlife, she spent over a decade bringing Roar to the screen. She started her own nonprofit organization, the Roar Foundation. It supports the Shambhala Preserve, an 80 acre wildlife habitat that enables her to continue her work in, her, in the care and preservation of lions and tigers. She has also set up relief programs worldwide following hurricanes, earthquakes, famine, and war. And, just a weird fun fact, she was instrumental in the development of Vietnamese American nail slots. Ooh! the a fun little fact. She took in and cared for Togar, a lion that belonged to Anton LeVay. Oh, after he was told by San Francisco officials that he could not keep a lion as a house pet. Shambhala became the new home for Michael Jackson's two tigers. Saba and Thriller, of course. After he decided to close the zoo at Neverland Valley Ranch. Thriller died in June 2012 of lung cancer. Uh... In 2020, as of 2020, Hendren still maintains more than a dozen lions and tigers. Her granddaughter, Dakota Johnson, is involved in the care.
0: I didn't know that. Oh, it's a family business.
1: She's got a lot of awards for lion and lambs and all kinds of animal rights awards. And uh, she just seems like a nice, strong person who let her trauma propel her to greatness.
0: Yeah, you go, Tippy Hendren. Congratulations, Tippy Hendren. You're Adam's hero of the week. Hero of the week. Woo! All right. Well, you got anything to say before we wrap this up?
1: Nope. That's it.
0: Nope. All right. Well, um, you can find me on Instagram, don't touch that it's haunted. You can email me at don't touch that it's haunted at gmail.com. Uh, let us know what you wanted us to talk about in the 50s through the 80s that I didn't talk about, because apparently I didn't find anything. Yeah. <laughs> really short episode. Um, next week, we will be talking about the 90s through today. There is a slight possibility that this might become a four-parter, mm. but it depends on how much, because I really want to cover the Weinstein stuff, and I feel like that might have to be its own thing, but there's also some stuff in the 90s I want to talk about. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, please rate, review, subscribe everywhere you listen to your podcasts. I'd really appreciate it. I think Adam would really appreciate it. I I know these three cats over here would appreciate it. Wherever they are. There's one! Look at him. So appreciative.
1: I see it.
0: So, yeah. That's, uh, that's that. Oh, Um, Valentine's Day's coming up. So, I don't don't know. There you go. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Um, yeah, everybody, everybody do something nice for someone you love. It doesn't have to be somebody that you're romantically in love with. Do something nice for someone you love because Valentine's Day is about love, period. So, yeah, I know my phone's blowing up about a uh, a, a baby's birthday party. Yeah. Yeah, a first <laughs> birthday party. Anyway, um, everybody have a nice Valentine's Day. Just remember, don't touch that. It's haunted. It's haunted.